Thank you for downloading this man-to-man podcast from Awakened Heart Ministries. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. You can find out more about Dr. Scott Engelman and the Awakened Heart Ministries team on our website at ahm4.life. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to recognize something dark and sinister is happening in the world today right in front of our very eyes. Truth is being persistently distorted. Biology is being vehemently denied. Morality is being shamelessly dismissed. And Christianity is being arrogantly deconstructed. Everything has turned inside out and upside down as our secular, woke culture systematically wages war against the goodness of God's rule and created order. You may be asking, where is God in all of this? Why is he allowing this upside down to happen? Are these the last days? And if not, then what is God up to? If questions like these are on your mind, then please join us in this series, What on Earth is God Doing? As we look for answers from the context of God's larger story. We think this series will be biblically enlightening, spiritually refreshing, and personally challenging as its purpose is to help Christian men better understand how they can actively participate with God in this current spiritual battle in a more meaningful and effective way. Nothing like a gladiator clip to get the blood flowing early in the morning with a group of men, right? I was talking to somebody and... uh, Am I okay? Oh, sorry. I was talking with somebody this week. Am I on? There we go. And um, they said, uh, I know what that dog's name was in that clip. And they said, I said, well, what is it? And they said, his name's Hell. And I said, well, how did you know that? And they said, well, just watch. He says, at my command, unleash Hell. And then the next scene shows what? The dog, and they're letting the dog go. And my command, unleash hell. And then hell takes off after him. So it's good to see you guys uh, today. Today, um, we're going to bring our series, uh, What on Earth is God Doing, to a close with a footnote. I think we've been doing this, I think this is like our 12th session, so we've been doing this a while here. And we've really started from Genesis and worked all the way through the book of Revelation. And now we want to address a question that we, I don't think we've ever really addressed too much or think about. And that question is this. What on earth will we be doing when the cosmic war is over and shalom is restored to the world and we are at home at last? We, we talked about what God was up to. We talked about he's working to restore his family and then the whole war and how it comes about. And now we're home at last, the new heaven and the new earth. But what are we going to be doing? Uh, we can ask it another way. If through the Bible, God is telling a larger war story about human history, and if the goal of that story is to restore God's alienated human family back home with him, then what will we do for all eternity after we return home as God's renewed and adopted sons? What are we going to be doing? Will we enjoy an eternal retirement? Is that what we're going to be doing? You know, just uh, 
picking up seashells along the sea. After all, Revelation 14.3 says we're going to cease from our labors, right? Or will we sing forever in a mega church service around the throne of the Lamb? After all, Revelation 7.10 says we're, all the nations are going to worship uh, around the throne of the Lamb day and night. Or will we serve as a perpetual usher or, or deacon in that church service that goes day and night for all eternity? After all, it says in Revelation 22.3, we will serve King Jesus, who sits on the throne. What are we going to be doing for all eternity? What will we be doing as men in our new home? That's the question, that's the focus that we want to uh, think about this morning. Now, recall the thesis of our series. Remember? From Genesis to Revelation, we've seen that God is telling a larger, unified story. There's a lot of little stories in the Bible, but when you step back and look at all the stories, they're really telling one unified story. And that unified story is a war story. Remember, we've seen that. And that war story is supernatural in origin. It involves human beings, but it wasn't started by human beings. It was started by supernatural beings, angelic beings, um, spiritual beings, and we as human beings just joined in in that uh, rebellion. It's cosmic in scope. It means it, it goes through the whole universe, and it's determinative in nature. What side you are on in this battle will, will determine your eternal destiny, good or bad. And we said that this war story is, should be the framework for our understanding, our understanding the entire Bible. When you read the Bible, always keep this framework in mind. Also, when you read the story of Jesus, always keep that framework in mind. If you keep that framework in mind, then the things that Jesus does, the things that Jesus says, the places Jesus goes and says what he says, where he says it, are going to make much more sense. And it should also be this, the framework for understanding our own stories, as well as all what's going on in the world today. When we understand everything that's going on from this larger war story, where God has been taking it and where it's going, all of human history, then the world begins to make sense. And then we have a sense of hope and direction for our lives as men today. Now, in the telling of this war story, we've seen that God is actively moving through all of human history, and he's taking human history someplace. He's moving it to defeat and judge his cosmic enemies that are led by Satan, the god of this world. He's also working to restore the good world, his good world, his good creation, which was distorted and corrupted by rebellion and evil of both his angelic family and his human family. We've seen that he's also working to rescue his human family, alienated from him by sin and adultery, idolatry. And finally, we've seen that he's working to rejoin heaven and earth like it was once in the beginning, where heaven and earth came together, that was where Eden was, to create a new home, a new Eden, what we saw last time, the new Jerusalem, which is an enlarged Eden, where God and human beings dwell forever and ever. That's the story in a nutshell. Now, with that in mind, let's go back to the original question. 
If as Christian men here today who have trusted Christ as our Savior, our future home is not in heaven. Remember last time we saw heaven is just kind of a holding place where we go before our body is reunited with our spirit in resurrection. But our, our home is a restored earth and we're going to be there walking around in resurrected man bodies, then what will we be doing as men in this new home for the rest of eternity? What are we going to be doing? Have you ever thought about that? What are we going to be doing? Now, let me just say this. While we will certainly cease from our labors, as Romans 14 says... What Romans 14, or Revelation 14, is referring to, it's not referring to an eternal retirement. Rather, it's referring to something more or less along the lines of residing in a God-restored world, the way it was supposed to be. And while we will certainly worship the Lamb in Revelation 7.10, as it says, it's not primarily referring there to a forever church service. Rather, it's referring to something more like living for a God-centered purpose. And while we will certainly serve Christ in our new home, as Revelation 22.3 says, it's not referring to being perpetual ushers and deacons in this forever church service. Rather, it's referring to something more or less aligned, working in a God-assigned job. So what we'll be doing is we will be residing for all eternity in a God-restored world, living for a God-centered purpose, working in a God-assigned job. And that's our focus today. Holy jobs, preparing today for your kingdom career tomorrow. Okay? And we're going we're gonna to deal with this idea of holy jobs by addressing and considering four questions. First... Why will we work for all eternity? I, I thought it was going to be a time of rest. I was looking forward to that. We're going to keep working? Second, what will this work involve? Third, will we all have the same job? And then lastly, fourthly, how will our job be determined? How will the job that you do and I do, uh, how will we determine that we get that job and not this job? Those are the four questions. So you ready? So question one, why will we work for all eternity? Well, one simple reason. You know what it is? Simply this. From the beginning, God created and designed you and I as men to work. That's what we were created for. We were created to work. You say, well, why? Well, because when you look how God created the world... God created the, uh, a, a good world, it says, a good earth, but he did not create a perfect world. It was good, he said. He created it, looked at it, and says, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's very good. But he never said it was perfect. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, God designed an imperfect world that purposefully needed someone to subjugate it, to tame it, and to control it. If it was a perfect world, you wouldn't need anything to subjugate it, to tame it, control it. It would all be part of the design. But God designed the world not in a way that it could just happen apart from anybody. He designed it in a way 
that men needed to work in it. Men were put there to subjugate it, to tame it, and to control it. A good world. And when God rested from his creative activity, he gave to you and I as men the job of subduing and maintaining the world. That's why we were created. To reflect him as image bearers, male image bearers, and in doing that, to subdue and tame his good world. And if the world was created perfect, then God uh, would not have given you and I the mandate, the work mandate, to go and subdue and maintain the world. Right? The world was good, but it still needed to be tamed. It still needed to be maintained. It still needed to be subjugated. There was no sin in it, but God created it like that so that it needed the man to work it. In other words, through our work as men, God intended his good but imperfect earth filled with raw materials and potential. That's the big thing, guys. Raw materials and potential to be subdued, shaped, and formed. How? Into a fruitful, life-giving world fit for human flourishing while existing for the glory of God. And how was the world to be subdued and shaped and formed into a fruitful, life-giving world? How was it to be shaped like that, guys? How? Through our work. And what this means, then, is work is not punishment for sin. And neither is it the result of the fall. Work existed before the fall. Work existed before sin was ever in the world. Which tells us then that work in and of itself is both good and what? Valuable. Why is it good and valuable? Well, because work is part of God's original design for you and I as men. Men exist to work. We do not work to exist. Why do we exist to work? Because that's how we were designed. And we were put in a world that needed us to work it. And it's through that work that we glorify God. Colossians 3.23 says, Do all your work for the glory of God as pleasing to him. We serve him. So, work is not a punishment for sin or the result of the fall. However, if we had a footnote, Work was made harder by the fall. Work is made harder because of sin. Remember what it says in Genesis 3.17. When man sinned, what did God do? God cursed the ground that the man was to work. And as a result of cursing the ground, what happened? The ground would no longer work with the man. It would now work against him. The ground was once an ally to us. It would work with us. But now, after the fall, it became an enemy. It worked against us. As a result of it working against us, we would now have to toil and sweat. In other words, work is, not, is now exhausting. And it's no longer enjoyable. It's so exhausting that all I can think about is what? My retirement when I don't have to work anymore. But that's not what we were made for. 
We look for retirement because the effect the fall had on work. Also, because the ground was cursed, God said there would be thorns and thistles that would come. In other words, work would now be frustrating. You do your work and it wouldn't last. It would no longer be, it would now be frustrating, it would no longer be satisfying. Likewise, while work was made harder by the fall, it will be restored to what God intended when the effects of the fall are reversed in the new creation. In other words, work isn't taken away, work isn't done away with, rather what? Work is restored to what it was intended to be. Work is redeemed. The ground will once again work with you and I as men instead of work against us. And when that happens, that's going to happen because there's going to be no more curse. Work will once again be enjoyable instead of exhausting. Why? Well, because there will be no more toil or sweat. Why? Because there's no more curse. And also, work will once again be satisfying instead of frustrating. Why? Because there will be no more thorns and thistles. Why no more thorns and thistles? Because no more curse, no more sin. The old is done away, the new is come. And so then, guys, as residents of the new earth, living in the new Jerusalem, we will be men who work for all eternity. Why? Why is it? Well, because from the beginning, men were designed and created to what? To work. What God intended from the first in the first Eden will be fully restored in the new Eden. And when that happens, we will live a life of enjoyable, satisfying, meaningful, life-giving work. And in that work, we will bear fruit that blesses others. And in that work, we will live a life that really glorifies God. So we were made to work. And we will continue to work for all eternity. Question number two. What will this work involve? I know what I'm doing here and what it involves here, but what about in the new earth and the new Jerusalem? Well, Revelation 22.3 gives us a clue as to what that work will involve. Here's what it says. John says, No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and the Lamb will be there, and his servants, that's you and I, will worship him. What does it say we're going to be doing? We're going to be worshiping him. Now, that word worship is an interesting word in the Greek. It's the word letruo. And the word letruo literally means embodied service. It described how a priest would worship. It would be through his service. He would, through his body, he would serve the Lord. It's the word it's used in uh, Romans 12 when it says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is your holy form of what? Latruo, service, worship. So this whole idea of worship here is this. Our worship will be our service. It'll be more than just singing praise. It'll be 
you, what you and I do in our bodies in serving Christ in that place. The work, our service, and this worship will be the work for which we were made. And guys, these will be the holy jobs that await us. The jobs that await us, the holy jobs that await us, will be our service to Christ, it'll be our work for Christ, but it will also be the way we worship him. Okay? Now, if that's true, then what will this worship or this service involve? Well, let's think about it again. In the beginning of God's story, Genesis 1 and 2, what happened? How did we serve God? Well, we served God as God's royal imagers, right? We were image bearers. We reflected him like nothing else that he created. We alone bear God's image in this world. And so we served as God's royal imagers whose job, what was our job back then? Our job was to represent his kingly presence in this world. How? Through divinely mandated governance. We were to govern as his image bearers on his behalf to extend his rule for his glory. Now, how would we do that? By subduing and taming the earth. That was our job. That's how we represented him. That's how we governed in this earth. We were to guard and care for Eden. That's where we were to worship him through Latruo, that, that embodied service. And that's where we were to extend and expand God's rule into the world. That's what service involved. That's what work involved. That's what worship involved in the beginning. That's what we were made for, guys, as his image bearers. We were to govern the world on his behalf. Now, this is what men were made for. Okay? This is what you're made for. This is what I'm made for. This is also the work we were assigned to do in the beginning. And this is the worship of embodied service. This also is the labor that was made harder by the fall, if not impossible. But this is also the holy job that's awaiting you at the end of God's story. For example, let's look and see here. Revelation 3.21, Jesus says, The one who overcomes, I will grant to sit uh, grant to him to sit with me on my throne. 2 Timothy 2.12 says, If we endure, we will also, what? Reign with him. Revelation 2.26, Jesus says, And to the one who overcomes and continues in my work until the end, I will give him, what? Authority over the nations, and they shall, what? Rule over them. Romans 8.17, and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, in order that we might also be glorified with him. And Matthew 25, uh, in the sermon, or the parable Jesus gives, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Now I will put you over many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Now what's going on here? 
Notice, our future work is governance in scope. Notice, Revelation 3, he talks about the throne. You will sit with him on the throne. First Tim, or Second Timothy 2, reigning with him. Revelation 2, authority and ruling with him. Romans 8, co-heirs with Christ. Matthew 25, that he will put us over many things. The whole idea of what Jesus is talking about here, what we were made for in the beginning, and what awaits us in the future is what? Our work will involve the governance of the world, ruling and reigning with Christ. But did you notice something else? While our future work is the governance, involves governance in scope, did you notice it's all contingent in nature? Look at Revelation 3. You'll sit on my throne if what? You overcome. Overcome what? 2 Timothy 2, you will reign with him if you what? Endure. The Greek word it's used there has to do with endure sufferings. Revelation 26, you will have authority and rule with him if what? You overcome and continue to the end. Revelation 8.17, or Romans 8.17, you'll be co-heirs with Christ what? If we indeed what? Suffer. With him. Matthew 25, 21, we will be put over many things if what? We are faithful. In other words, the work that awaits us, the job that awaits us, our future work involves governance in the world, but notice the governance that we do will be contingent in nature. In other words, why we will all be residents of the new earth because of faith in King Jesus. And while we will all work there because work is part of our masculine design, and while our work will be governance in scope because of our status as image bearers, here's what I want you to see. This specific job that will be assigned to you and the specific job that will be assigned to me in that place will be determined by our level of faithfulness to King Jesus here, today, in the present, through the course of our life. And you say, well, exactly what does that mean? Faithfulness here today to King Jesus through the course of our life. Does that just mean I've been a nice guy all my life and didn't do bad things? Or does it mean something more, something else, something different? Well, come back in five minutes, and we will look and see what that is. We hope that Scott's message today has encouraged you and helped you to better understand how God intended the power he gave us to be used. Please visit our website at ahm4.life and click on the Resources tab. There you will see the Man to Man podcast and other resources we have available. At AHM, our mission is to provide hope and direction to men in a confusing world through Jesus Christ. Please continue to keep our ministry in your prayers. If you would like to donate to our efforts, visit our website and click on the Giving tab. Man to Man podcasts are provided by Awakened Heart Ministries located in Troy, Michigan.